In the face of the current atrocities perpetrated against the Ukrainian people by the government of Russia, we want to make you all aware of an opportunity to provide free therapy to those most impacted by the war in Ukraine. The organization called It's Complicated has created a platform for therapists from all around the world to offer their services for free. Particularly if you speak Ukrainian or Russian, please consider creating a profile at itscomplicated.life slash en slash Ukraine. It's Complicated is providing a secure online platform to conduct the sessions and will match people needing support with available therapists free of charge. Please consider creating a profile to provide free therapy to those impacted by the war. Go to itscomplicated.life slash en slash Ukraine. We want to give you an update about somatic integration and processing trainings coming up. SIP-1 and SIP-2 are both approved for 21 NBCC hours, and we have big news. They are also each approved for 10 hours of approved advanced credit through MDRIA. So if you're working on your EMDR certification, SIP trainings can count towards your needed advanced training hours. We're so excited to be able to offer this to all of you. More exciting news is that we're offering SIP-1 for an Australian time zone. On July 22nd through the 24th, we will host a virtual training starting at 7 a.m. UTC plus 10. If you're in another time zone, you're welcome to attend this one as well. But we've had so many people from Australia reach out about SIP that we wanted to make it more accessible for all of you. We also have SIP-1 available in American time zones on June 23rd through the 25th, and again on October 20th through the 22nd. Go to our website for all this info and more at beyondhealingcenter.com or email us at trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. Thanks so much. Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from MDRI-approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here. Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We are here in the studio today with the three of us. Hi, Yay. we're back. <laughs> uh, still getting used to being recorded while we do this, so for a little uh, awkward with the cameras, bear with us. It is what it is. Yeah, mostly I just want to like <laughs> smile at the people that I know are watching us, but I think I'm supposed to not do that, so I won't. I don't think they're supposed to. Okay. <laughs> do you just all want to do a prolonged eye contact with the viewer? For just More second? than anything, I do. I think yeah. I looked the wrong <laughs> Oh, yeah, which one? No, that one's on her. We look at the middle one. Okay. Super okay, awkward. Cool. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. 
Um, Get off the so we are going to do an episode today. And uh, the episode, I'm actually really excited about this topic. We have mentioned it a long time ago, but pretty briefly. We've never done a whole episode on this, um, but we get questions about it a lot. And we talk about it briefly in training mm-hmm. and rarely have time to go in deep. Um, and that is doing EMDR with couples, mm. which you can do that. That's right. Yeah. More than one human. You at should a time. do that. Yes. And that's yes. usually what people say. Oh, you can do that? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and so I think kind of one um, note or caveat as we get into this is that there's a lot about this that will be applicable for doing EMDR with other pairings of people, such as a parent and a child. Mm-hmm. But there's some particular nuances to doing it with a, a traditional couple, a romantic uh, couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we're going to focus on today. I think yeah. it could be really cool to do another episode on uh, doing this with a parent and a child yes. or parents Absolutely. and a child. Yeah. Um, so there's some that's going to be very overlapping. And then there's some things that'll be specific to working with couples. So yeah, where do you guys want to start with that huge topic? I think when I think about people asking that question, like, oh, you can do that. Mm -hmm. There's such a shock and awe by it because it seems so complicated. And it is. (laughs) There's a lot to manage in the room. You're right. There is. Uh There is. And there's so many important considerations in doing it to make sure it is set up to be safe and supportive for both people involved. Mm -hmm. Um, EMDR as a whole has that kind of nature to it. Like we want to be supportive and make sure they feel safe in the process. But it it feels like it gets more complicated when we have two mm-hmm. nervous systems in the room Absolutely. and two sets of strategies in the room. And we're talking about trauma mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So I think the key piece to that is like safety is still the most important ingredient, whether you're working with one or two or six people at mm-hmm. a time. Like we have to think about safety and it takes longer to establish like mm-hmm. it's a little bit you have to move slower and really orient to like not only do as a therapist feel safe to do this with both mm-hmm. of them like does it feel good and okay but are they safe enough with each other yeah and typically couples coming into therapy have maybe a lack of safety mm-hmm. there they're not feeling super safe and and able to be vulnerable with each other or they may not need the support mm-hmm. so that is one of the special pieces that we want to really emphasize is like safety is still the key ingredient right. and we're we're watching for that we're orienting around creating safety between them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and that kind of feels like a good place to start that discussion around um kind of who the identified client is in the scenario um because there's slightly different versions of doing this if we have our client that we're working with and they want to bring in their spouse for a session or two not necessarily to work on the relationship but to support them Mm -hmm. while they're working through a particular Mm -hmm. target that is a very different encounter than a couple coming in specifically to work on their marriage yeah and maybe there are some traumatic experiences that have really impacted their marriage and they're wanting to work on that Mm -hmm. so that's kind of one piece of it um, to think through at the very beginning of you know what is the dynamic here and how is emdr coming into this relationship um, so that we can set it up well so that everybody does stay safe Mm -hmm. yeah part of that staying safe bridger you were talking about like psychoeducation being so helpful Mm -hmm. Um, earlier you were saying that and I think that is part of creating safety yeah it's like really giving context well, yeah, and I think it really depends on what the person 
uh, or persons are coming in for, mm-hmm. um, like why they feel or we feel together as their therapist that a couple's format is going to be uh, helpful yeah. and kind of direct in addressing some of those core issues. Because to me, psychoeducation, it's just my bend. Like mm-hmm. I just dump on <laughs> the education. Have all the information. Yes, all the information because <laughs> that will solve it is like what a part of my brain says. I know that's not true, but my own strategy as a young person uh, growing up, that was my, my strategy. If I can understand mm-hmm. it, I can fix it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the education part just comes with like, I just want you to understand like maybe what might be happening Mm -hmm. in the other person and what it's like for them to even invite you into this space or for you to be in this space uninvited Mm -hmm. and for what that whole process is like. Um, I think within, you know, trauma processing in the context of couples work, you can be consenting to be in that space and still be surprised by the level of vulnerability that invades you. as you start to process through some of this material. So I think it's great that we're talking about couples in the context of a special population because Mm -hmm. I feel that it it very much so is um, because there's just such a dynamic interplay between what a person wants in the in the moment and what happens when the past comes rushing in Mm -hmm. Um, lots of things can come up yeah well and there's even um the physical vulnerability aspect of it that often our clients don't really know how to factor in before they're actually in the moment. So for instance, um, I often will ask people, what do you imagine that it will feel like to sit with your eyes closed with two other bodies in the room (laughs) while you are potentially having big emotions come up? Um, and sometimes we'll explore together how they need us to be sitting mm. where they need our eyes to be um, to try to help with that because that is a, a factor that people don't really expect or don't really think about ahead of time. But then when they're actually in the moment, wow, that's it's a lot. It's a change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, thinking about what it feels like to your own body to sit in a room with another human being and you have your eyes closed and they don't. That is an act of tremendous trust and vulnerability. Mm. And even if we really trust this other person, um, a lot of us have a strong reaction to being inspected, Mm -hmm. right? Being looked at and really observed and watched. Um, And that's a lot uh, to do with a therapist. And then when you include somebody where the stakes are a little bit higher in the sense of I you know, really need this person to continue to feel like they want to be with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it it can be very, very activating and alarming to people. So doing psychoeducation around all of that, even the practical side of things, not yes. just the, the neuroscience side of like, hey, what's this going to feel like? And mm-hmm. can we explore that together ahead of time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and adding into that, what, you know, what is processing? What could possibly come up the same way that we would prepare an individual? We want to prepare a client in that mm-hmm. way. As you were mm-hmm. saying, when the, when the past comes rushing in, how are we going to handle that in the moment right. if it doesn't feel safe? Yes. What is our backup plan? How do we get reconnected mm-hmm. if things get dysregulated? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the partner's role? Right. If we're not, you know, doing bilateral at the same time with them what is the partner's role and how critical that is and what are the to do's and not to do's like the partner doesn't need to interject you know it's, mm-hmm. it's so hard 
for a partner to kind of maintain that space for them Mm -hmm. to process whether they Mm want to come in and like defend a point or offer even comfort. Like those aren't, those are interweaves. Those are things that we're, Mm -hmm. you know, inserting into their processing, which can be done with purpose and intention and really beautifully brought in, but it has to be, you know, um, prompted by the therapist. Mm -hmm. So it has to be done therapeutically. So I imagine that some people may have the question, given that, given that, um, in general, we would not be encouraging the the partner to interject a lot. What is the potential benefit of having them there? Mm-hmm. Right, like why why bother uh, considering all of the necessary prep work and all of the potential downsides? What is the benefit that can be experienced by having the partner there? Um, and Jen, by far, you're the one that's done the most of this. So I'm curious, like, how do you? Um, see the benefit? How do you uh, see that manifest with your clients? I think there's a lot of benefit to it really. And there's the potential for them to be there where we can call them in Mm -hmm. to be a part of the processing. And I do that a lot. Mm -hmm. If we've established the safety, they realize this is how I can nurture or comfort when that person needs it. Yes, Um, It can often be like an interweave. Maybe they're stuck on a certain thought of, I'm a I'm just going to throw something out there, but I'm unlovable or Mm -hmm. that was unforgivable. What I did was unforgivable. And then we can pull in the partner. Mm. I don't know. He's here right now. Let's ask him. Mm -hmm. And it can become this really powerful part of the processing. But even aside from that, what the partner can gain in seeing their partner in a place of vulnerability with strategies down. Right. So when, when partners come into what came up, oh, I was just that? thinking about like how immensely vulnerable that feels yeah. Um, to, yeah, be in that space where you're allowing EMDR to do what it does and just the rawness of your own nervous system in that space and then letting another human being see you in that that is also then going to be on the drive home with you and at dinner with you that night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Like, whole... whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I think but... it takes it out of the cognitive realm yes. and into like truly the body, because there's one way of like, if you were going to still try the same interweave, mm. uh, but the person not be there, right. like, well, I wonder what, you know, this person who we've mm-hmm. developed already as a resource, like what they would yeah. feel about this. Mm-hmm. That's a very different thing than saying like, they're, right next to you yeah what is it like for you to process this now with them here Mm -hmm. like it just completely changes that dynamic and even in the like let's say we bring in and and the partner gets to say like no i'm i'm still committed i'm like we're here we're doing this Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. there's the words but then there's all of the other feelings that they get as they see like the the openness or the sincerity right yeah Yeah, there's all of these other aspects that even if their partner just had the language to say well like i know they would say they are exactly me Mm -hmm. but they're feeling it Mm -hmm. and that's a huge interweave there not the language side but the felt sense of it but my point in with like if couples are in conflict, right? There's there's arguing, there's fighting, there's strategy everywhere. They have a really difficult time accessing compassion and empathy for mm-hmm. the other person mm-hmm. because there's so much strategy and there's pain, yeah. there's hurt, there's fear. And so when we come into processing, what I've been able to see is the partner that observes gets to see their partner in a completely different light. Yes, mm-hmm. Strategies are down. Yes, there's vulnerability, but there's this development of compassion 
and empathy Mm -hmm. and motivation to say, I really do want to connect Mm -hmm. with that version of my partner. All of their strategies I'm afraid of and I'm, I'm fed up with. But when I see that, I'm here for it. Yeah. 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 And just a tremendous amount of understanding of why the strategy is there. Yeah. Like, because you're seeing it in real time, you see the strategy go down and you see what's behind it. And that gives tremendous understanding of why was it there in the first place, no matter how troubling it is or bothersome it is. Um, It really changes the way that we make sense of it, even after the fact, even if the strategy continues to show up, because now I know I've seen the squishy bit behind it. I will. I want to see what you guys think of this as well. But for me, one of the moments in couples therapy that's standing out to me is I was going for this um, this moment of disconfirming experience. Uh, uh, the woman of a couple was uh, processing, and her partner came in, had been a part of a couple sessions before that, uh, where we were specifically trying to set up this one experience. They were working on some intimacy issues between them that they were just at a stalemate when it mm-hmm. came to processing together outside of therapy. And so we were working together in the context of an EMDR reprocessing and the partner um, said something that was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in every way it confirmed her deepest fears. Yeah. And so I think in this work also recognizing the power that's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's real. Like it yeah. becomes now like everything we're saying about how extraordinary it can be in enhancing resource and ultimately, you know, encouraging the reprocessing. It can also be something that complicates an existing kind of installed uh, right. negative belief. Um, so my perspective on that, which I would love yeah. to hear from you guys on it as well, though, is if that is what the one partner was truly feeling mm-hmm. and that is their truth, the other partners, whether the story is there or not, they're experiencing that. Yeah, they know. Them. Yeah. No, it confirmed it yes. for, for them. And it was like, now you finally said what I've been feeling. Right. Yeah. But that's painful, mm-hmm. but it's real. Yes. And it's it's inviting and bringing into the space the, the realness of what's happening in that dyad versus these stories and strategies that yeah. create that an illusion yes. of mm-hmm. something else or an attempted illusion of something else. And then... It's hard and it's messy, but then we have something to work with. Mm-hmm. Like yep. we're now in the most raw pieces of it. It's all yeah. real. Yes. Right here. Yeah. yeah. In, a, in a similar fashion, I had a, a spouse, a husband who fell asleep. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that hurts. So bad. So, similar fashion in some ways. Like it wasn't just like this huge vulnerable, but it was like that came, that brought so much light. Did you like go to reach over and kick I him? I really like, did. I, I really did. did. And I, I kept trying to like shuffle, like wake him up before she realized. Like snapping. Yeah. Just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> like, like how many yeah. ways can I clear my throat? <laughs> no, like no joke. I came into like, oh. let's save the moment mode and it didn't work. He was like really just out of it. And she was processing her own personal thing. Mm. And when she came back, you could tell she was like, hey. And then she just had all this pain that she was trying to hide and disguise and go back and destroy. Like, oh, you worked late. And like all these things. But it gave like this opportunity to like go in. And I said like, this is messy and this is painful and this could be really rough. But now we have this material. This is literally in the midst of one of her most painful experiences of her childhood. Mm -hmm. He's tuning out. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at strategies why. 
yeah. let's explore the why behind that, yeah. but also how is she experiencing that? Like I'm struggling and my husband's here for me in all these practical ways and he's yeah. this great husband and she really had him like on a pedestal. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. To hide the yes, pain. Yes. yes. That but rejection, I have so yeah. much like discontentment with what yeah. I'm really yeah. getting. And that's one element of that where we can actually identify this as a pattern that yep. plays itself out in so many different ways. Yeah. Like what other areas of conversation and emotional kind of wishfulness has he been figuratively or literally asleep in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, so true. And to then be able to draw from that helping and supporting him is what does it actually mean to attune and what yeah. like what does that feel like for you yeah. to like mm-hmm. connect with her in that why are you totally dissociating while your wife is getting so vulnerable yes yeah because that's your strategy whoa <laughs> and exploring that pieces and then the other like benefit i was going to say and it played out for them is like for me to be a model mm-hmm. into them of yes. what is like and this is true for all couples therapy yeah. but in emdr you get to do that as well of like what is it like to be hearing the depth of someone's paint and tuning in yeah. and like, you know, really being with them and processing with them yeah. in that mm-hmm. without solutions, mm-hmm. like not problem solving here. So right. really modeling what that yeah. is like and how to create those disconfirming experiences. There's a like, um, so often a ambiguous this or like you're doing this again, you always do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that moment uh, that I was just talking about in the case that I brought up that this is something that we actually got to name for what it was. Mm, And so it was something that for him, he was able to say with new insight, still very kind of in a defensive place because as you can imagine when she said, like now you're doing some, you said what I've been afraid of. That created a big mm-hmm. activation in him, and he like looked right at me, and was just like, <laughs> like kind of just like I'm trying, like I'm just, I'm just trying honest. to be here, yeah. like yeah. And she said something to the effect of, "You always do this," mm-hmm. and he was like, "There it goes again." And so like going yeah. with all the big activation, but being able to come back to the place to say, "We just actually got to experience what I imagine unfolds for you mm-hmm. so often." Yeah. <laughs> daily <laughs> it's just like uh, the, uh you know just how sometimes the room can feel but to be able to actually now bring insight mm-hmm. to both partners of what this mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. was like for both sides mm-hmm. and to then be able to invite that other partner to share their experience of that yeah. was so insightful yeah. for the couple as a mm-hmm. whole so i'm sitting here having a thought that feels important to share which is acknowledging that couples therapy traditionally we sort of have this idea that the goal of couples therapy is always to keep the couple together and it feels important to me for lots of obvious reasons to say that that is not actually the goal of couples therapy unless the couple is explicitly coming in and saying that Um, and there's a lot of kind of cultural reasons why we still sort of assume that that is what people are there to do when they're seeking couples therapy. Um, But (laughs) I would say that the vast majority, and this is probably as much about me as it is about them. um, I find myself wondering a lot of the time why people are together when Mm. it's an option to not be together. And I think that in processing trauma, there is a very real possibility of people discovering that the marriage is a strategy that has been birthed Mm -hmm. out of trauma and healing will actually mean that they are ready to release that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so it feels 
important to acknowledge that as a therapist, if your therapeutic work ends in a place of uncoupling, um, that is not a failure mm -hmm. of treatment. In fact, sometimes that is the best outcome of treatment if the the result is mm -hmm. about somebody releasing the need for an unhealthy dynamic that they've been stuck in. Mm -hmm. I think that's just as common as people being able to stay in a marriage and have a healthy marriage. Yeah. Um, and so that feels like an important kind of thing to keep in the back of our mind, both for our own sake and for our client's sake, um, that therapy done well can leave people in a place of getting to end their relationship uh, mm. with less regret, with less um, rage <laughs> or re resentment, yeah. um, uh, being able to do it peacefully and uh, really understanding that this is a um, product of our healing, mm. releasing each other and wishing each other well, but going our separate ways is a product of healing, not a product of failure. Yeah. yeah. I can hear a consultee in my mind saying, well, what does it actually look like? Like, what does the standard... But like, what do you actually do right, in like, session? What does yeah. the standard protocol yeah, look like? We should talk about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so what do you, you actually do? It, it, it totally depends. I know. <laughs> it is so different. Yeah. I know. And I think, I guess, one of the, I want to draw the connection between just like traditional, I'm going to call it traditional therapy of any sort that you do that's not EMDR, it doesn't just look like a certain thing. Right. Right. Like it, it's it's never one thing. It's changing. It's creative. It's individualized. You go with what shows up. Yes. Mm -hmm. EMDR is no different than that, at least in the way I would practice it with couples. We're still working with the complex dynamics of yeah. couples. And so it's about utilizing the structure of EMDR and the bilateral as a way to enhance the work that you're doing not as a way to say forego everything else i know about couples and like just put it into this protocol right. right it's a way to further enhance what we're doing and so it can look so many different ways i think maybe it's helpful to kind of start through the eight phases like mm -hmm. preparation and resourcing is a huge piece with couples well i was just gonna say I, to me just subjectively i find myself having a vast majority of the work I've done with couples in EMDR specifically has been in resourcing mm -hmm. and that that's where ultimately we start to see change that creates the type of effect that they want. Yes. And we don't actually get to reprocessing anything in the context of the couple's work. Mm -hmm. um, but that's part of me as well, having the flexibility of saying, you know, does this season or this next little bit of therapy that we're wanting to do does this feel better in the context of the couple like mm -hmm. would you both rather be here would you rather alternate or how right. would you like this to yeah. kind of go so yeah. to me the actual like all the the protocol is going the buzzers are out that with couples has been in the context of resourcing mm -hmm. and not in the context of reprocessing mm -hmm. i think both have great value but without the resourcing we're never going to get to the reprocessing. And if we try, it's going to be so messy. Messy. So yeah. the resourcing bit of it is about, one, Melissa, what you were talking about, you can really start to get a sense of, does this couple have the adaptive neural networks right. of the relationship that we can draw from mm -hmm. as we go into process trauma? Yeah. If that doesn't exist and the relationship is built upon a maladaptive dynamic and, and a painful trauma nature for each person... When we get in and try to start reprocessing trauma, we're looking for something adaptive mm. to connect it to. And yes. it's like, not there. Yeah. nowhere. So this is just painful. Yeah. In fact, this relationship just represents a lot of ghosts for you. Yes. Like it's just a haunted place yes. for you. Yes. Yeah. So if in the resourcing phase, we're not 
getting a feel of any of that or all of our attempts at creating connection and motivation in both partners to do the work, if that's not there, then there's no, you know, no reason to go into the other work together. It's right. not safe enough at that point. Maybe by doing the individual processing, we can then come back to that, mm-hmm. but it's not safe enough then. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think in the resourcing phase, we're really looking at, for me, it's getting like a lay of the land. What does this couple have and what's their history been? What is there? And really finding out for each person I love to ask separately, ask them um, to identify a couple of memories that were the most mm-hmm. meaningful moments of connection for each of them, mm-hmm. and then kind of comparing stories. So as you ask them individually, and then we come in, and it's fascinating. Sometimes it's totally different, mm-hmm. and we've got someone remembering something 10 years ago that the other one had no memory yeah. of. But oftentimes there's like these similar ones and they're like, oh, I just want to ask everybody that question now. Yeah. It's like so a, special. <laughs> like I want to ask you guys question. that question right now. Like what are those? Because they're probably not, you know, it's not like the wedding day or the oh, birth no. of the Oh no, child. they're small yeah. moments. They're little, but like, huge. like immediately when you said that, it was when he put up the tent in the backyard. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And we like laid in the brand new air mattress in the brand new tent for about three hours in the backyard and looked at the stars. And then we got too cold and had to go inside in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes. yes. And the way you're lighting up yeah. as you tell that story, <laughs> if we That's brought so your partner in uh-huh. and then sitting together, oh man, recalled mm-hmm. that memory and your experience and, and like all through all of your senses as well as his. Yeah. And he's contributing and adding to that. And then we sit in this place of connection, whether there's physical contact or not. If they're safe with it, I love that. Eye contact maybe, Mm -hmm. and then utilize bilateral stimulation Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. The way that that moment grows into being just this like beautiful kind of safe haven to retreat to for the couple. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful and it it stands out as something very special for both of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's something in the like, learning of the partners like mm-hmm. i want i bet i'm sure you're now wondering oh what is gabe's mm-hmm. tough ones like, yeah yeah thinking well, well, of well, that pick yeah. and so when you get to hear that it's like oh like you noticed that oh, that was I, important I to you yeah or? i know exactly what he would pick going rafting getting stuck on a log and he had to rescue me and he really liked that. <laughs> he really liked that. I There's that. not very many moments in my life where I need a lot of rescue. <laughs> that, was, that was a special moment. <laughs> yeah. So just kind of the play on that is so, so powerful. I love, like, I get so excited mm, to do that work. So cool. And sometimes we have to work to find those moments. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so much pain built up that it really is like this scavenger mm-hmm. hunt almost where yeah. I've heard the clues. And, and it's then like a I'm positive like, float sort of, back almost mm-hmm. of like investigating that affect of the original, yeah. maybe not even the original attraction, but the original bond, mm-hmm. that original mm-hmm. feeling of deep connection and, you know, safety and comfort with your partner. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm thinking of in like moving into history taking and really identifying, you know, what are we going to be working on if we're talking about EMDR mm-hmm. with couples? Um, there's this interesting kind of dynamic if we're doing that together. That the reason I like thought of this is when you talked about doing it separately mm-hmm. first. I think that's important. <laughs> like <laughs> Be- a, a few sessions, yeah, individually, individually yes, because when we start getting in the context of um, each, like all of us in the room together, that can so quickly turn into this jumping down each other's throats in a lot of ways of like, well, what do you mean that was like, what was I supposed to? And now we're like completely into an enactment as well. So to me, once we have this kind of predetermined, if we're coming in wanting to start working on some of these things, 
really kind of do a little bit of prep work individually mm-hmm. to kind of get a, like you said, kind of a lay mm-hmm. of the land of what is a resource, but also what are some of the things that you want to maybe touch back on yeah. together yeah. Um, before we get into the context of us both being in the room mm-hmm. and feeling like we have to either defend ourselves yeah. or like, you know, displace blame or, or however we're going to do that. But where we typically will reverse the order of history taking and preparation yep. with individuals, I find myself sticking more to history taking first and resourcing after that with couples for that reason. Yeah. Like I need more information about what are the hot topics for you yep. and what are the hot topics for you? Because if one's memory activates the other one's you know, yes. pain, okay. If one's like positive memory, like, oh yeah, this was really important to me. And they're like, well, yeah, that's the time you didn't show up for me. Exactly. And so like there's this, yeah, that's what I'm talking then about. it mm-hmm. disrupts that. And so trying to gather that information, that history ahead of time. I Here's just one quick example. Um, a couple that I was working with, uh, they, the female partner of the couple had uh, just graduated from uh, her graduate program. Mm. And this is a more recent, this is like a few months before that, that this happened. And this event that we were working on, they both felt was sort of like archetypal of mm. all the issues they've ever had. But when going back to one of her favorite moments, it was, this was uh, my graduation party and I loved it. Like, I feel like everybody was there and it was just about me. One one moment for me in my life. And the other ones, like the other person uh, in the relationship felt that that was where he felt completely um, sidelined. Mm. And like even the preparation up to that event was he like the even location and like the preparation requirements he had a thing for work that was that weekend Mm. and so he was also feeling unseen in that way and so Mm. she's like glowing in this like this was like my mastery resource like i felt so powerful in this moment to be able to actually like do this thing and be recognized for it finally Mm. and he's just like that's when you left me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i was where I were didn't you? didn't matter at all in that mm-hmm. moment. You yeah. didn't even, not you didn't need me, but like you didn't even, I couldn't matter less to you mm-hmm. in this moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And those, those are really real moments. And yes. I think mm-hmm. like that is why their relationship is playing out the way that it is. It's these like missed moments of attunement with each yeah. other and like, you know, different meaning in situations. And so getting a, a landscape of that first. Yeah. yeah through history taking another uh, history question I love to ask is like, tell me about the time where you realized you were first in love with this person. Mm. Like when did you first feel that? Mm. And we're trying to access that memory network of that like deep feeling of love um, and, and different types of love and like throughout their history, that early love that just felt so exciting, but then the like committed love Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like going and talking through those and finding like, where do those live Mm. in your memory and in your body? And how do we begin to invite them back? Because so often by the time they come to see me, that's like so far away. It's so far away. Yeah. And they may even be like actively uh, repressing or, and rejecting those elements because yes. of all of the hurt that is absolutely yeah. you know the grief yeah. of mm-hmm. it not being what it was back then mm-hmm. so all of that i mean there's so much in history to collect but looking for those glimmers mm-hmm. those moments that we can really try to enhance to create a sense of like 
motivation, partnership, same team mentality as we then start to move into what is the trauma? What have you guys faced? What do we need to be reprocessing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and one, uh, one thing that I think is kind of, um, another piece of the kinds of traumas to think about that can really be beneficial with, uh, couples is shared grief and shared trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the facets of shared grief between couples, especially if it has to do with a child, um, is that there is so much holding back of the natural grief process for fear of activating the grief of your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, and so being intentional in the processing of that together, the shared traumas can be so, so healing for both because there's so much permission given in that space, uh, to, 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 unsuppress Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, the things that have been held back for a really, really long time. And so it doesn't just have to be about the traumas that have happened between that Mm. are causing problems um, in the relationship. It can be those shared experiences that most couples go through at some point. And the Often it's those moments of shared trauma, pain, grief that begin a rift that only widens as time goes by. Mm -hmm. So sometimes going back to those original moments where it's not that anybody did anything wrong, it was just a point of tremendous pain for both Mm -hmm. um, can be a really important part of the history. So remembering to ask those questions as well, not just Mm -hmm. what's happened between you, but what has happened to you guys as a couple? Like what hit you guys really hard as a family and how has that uh, changed and shaped your dynamic? Yeah. yeah, and those moments as you reprocess those now become these new moments of like bonding and yes. connection yeah. and support for each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, continue to unfold through the rest of the phases, really. We get yeah. into reprocessing. And it, again, um, if it is a trauma that they've both happened to them or maybe even between them, Typically, what I will do is have each person reprocess it from their perspective. Like yeah. they're reprocessing their experience of it. So it's not yeah. in the activation. It's not both people processing at the exact same time. I was just going to say that is one of the questions that I do get about couples is like, are you, do you have two machines and mm. you're like both hooked up and you like start the yeah, things at yeah. the same time? Yeah. Do then the BLS speed has to be like synchronized or like, you know. Yeah. Well, so there is one version of uh, resourcing, mm-hmm. resourcing, yeah, where where it is very much a shared experience, and one of the ways that I think is really cool is if um, it mm-hmm. is synchronized with body, and there's yes. multiple ways of doing that. So one way is you know one person is actually administering the BLS tactily. Um, we don't really tell people to do eye movements on each other as much, but uh, d- d- tapping on each other, and we can kind of be the metronome and tap along with them mm. so that they can really sink into the experience. So they're getting that touch, they're getting that skin to skin contact while they're receiving the BLS. And both people are getting BLS because when you're doing tactile BLS, you're getting BLS in your Mm -hmm. own body. Um, The other way is if you have buzzers, uh, if you turn them way up, you can have somebody put their hand over the other person's hand or hold hands. That's the way I love that. It's just like in the finger palm of each hand being able to say, this is where one buzzer is and the other reaches over and grabs. So both people feel the sensation at the same time. And it's it's this lovely shared- so oh. sweet. Yeah, yeah, and you can do this with parents and kids too, and it's yeah. just perfect. There was one of my most like precious moments um, was uh, the buzzers weren't doing anything, and this was a end of life issue for uh, male mm. uh, older gentleman knew that this was coming for a long time, and so we're working on just like 
grieving and preparing. Mm. And they, wow. <laughs> and they did lotion mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like put it on each other. Yeah. yeah. And just got to be there while they were like just massaging each other's hands and mm-hmm. applying this lotion that smelled really good. Mm-hmm. And we'd done this like slow kind of practice of like, what does this smell like? And what do we want this smell to be paired with? Mm-hmm. And then we installed that separately and then bringing it into actually like washing each other's hands mm-hmm. and like lightly swaying back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so precious. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, if they can tolerate it, really encouraging um, extra eye contact because mm-hmm. that does just magical things uh, in our nervous system to have sustained eye contact while receiving BLS like it's full on intense mm-hmm. and so we want to make sure that they feel safe enough to do that and then everybody feels permission and freedom to look away if it gets to be too much um, but it is so powerful if yeah. they can have um, lots of eye contact while they're doing that mm-hmm. uh, stimulation together yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that story. Yeah, that was a, that was very to early on was too. Really, yeah. um, very early on, and I didn't really even now knowing all of this that we do about like our uh-huh. conceptualization model, like that was crazy. <laughs> like that, that just like came out. Like that was one of the most like like just reverent moments mm-hmm. in the room of just like man mm-hmm. connection. Yeah, is actually happening. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Yeah. So I, I think the one other piece, we go through reprocessing the reevaluation phase mm-hmm. coming in when you s- are looking for moments, typically couples come in and they're ready to tell you about like what went crappy that week. Yeah. Okay. I know we were supposed to do this homework and she wouldn't but do here's it. Here's a new target. Da, 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 da. We got yeah. a new target. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the, that's the way right there. <laughs> looking for those moments of you know, adaptive, anything, any adaptive material to install. What mm. can we strengthen and install? If it's in the session, awesome. If they have this moment where one is able to communicate clearly to the other or you see one not utilize a strategy they've used before mm-hmm. and be able to say, hey, let's capture this right here. Let's bring into awareness what just happened and now let's pause in it and yeah. notice that you guys both just did that and we'll strengthen and install that with bilateral. And then in reevaluation, are there moments like that outside of session yes when did you guys face something kind of tough this week and navigate it and and then we come in and we strengthen those and we're just continuing to like build these little neural networks Mm -hmm. of adaptive moments that they can draw from this is like he is capable of that you know i am capable of Mm -hmm. that we can do this together and kind of building that up yeah 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 there's just so many i don't know rich opportunities in those dynamics and uh the kind of change that you see i don't know if you guys have had this experience but there's this really like pleasant uh shift that happens when you've kind of found that tipping point with uh couples work where they come in and they're a little extra smiley with each other and like the energy has shifted um and the way that we work because we sort of intentionally bring explicit intention to that i think that uh, being able to call that out even those little subtle things of like i really like how you guys are smiling at Mm -hmm. each other today like what's what's that about playful with each (laughs) other yeah a little bit play so this is just like this moment standing out of my mind um which this is human so we're just going to talk about it but um a moment where that and i was just like what can i like 
like what is happening oh, right careful now? There. I, know. <laughs> I know where this is going yes and it was that of it was just it like was. we oh. did it <laughs> and it was just like and let's install that exactly <laughs> you don't have to tell me the details yeah. just pull up the images exactly. the yes. Yes. let's install yeah. that yeah <laughs> that's just so many like jokes but uh-huh. um it was awesome. like just a playful moment of like we just got to kind of sit in that space mm-hmm. and everybody was doing like this like yeah, like, like oh yeah. like, that was nice and that's something like what was that like like we were working on that for a long time yeah yeah. And did we ever think that we would get to this place? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, but I hope we do again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's, the, like, mm-hmm. that's so great. So yeah. enjoyment. And there's yes. playfulness to it, but that that's real. So big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So big. Yeah. And to bring it in and enhance this moment of like, what meaning are we really going to draw from that? Are we yeah. going to just like blush it off it's and giggle a little thing. bit? Right. Yeah. Or can we actually draw like really powerful meaning from that yeah. and sink into that together in this process yeah. and find an anchor of like, how do we revisit whatever worked there and happened there? Like that how do we come back spe- to that? That specific encounter was over a year ago and I still see the mail from time to time, just like checking in and he sometimes will call back on like, that was crazy though. Mm-hmm. Like that like moment of like sharing it with you and like yeah. talking about it. Like it's still something we talk about, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, Richard, we've done a retreat for couples. Yes. And something I really wish we could do more. We have another of. one coming up actually. We do. Yeah. I was going to say we can. Yeah. We just don't talk about it very often. Mm-hmm. It is so powerful. And mm-hmm. I want to mention on here for a couple of reasons. One, it fits the topic, but two, like, send your people or yourselves for mm-hmm. these retreats yeah. yeah it is i mean i love doing retreats period but with couples like it's just something so special mm-hmm. i think i just really like working with couples really mm-hmm. like it's so special when a couple decides to make that kind of commitment there's a different level of motivation already it's yeah. not like i'm just going to check the box there's usually like a true investment financially time you know personal vulnerability mm-hmm. in that and they come in and the way the couple that we had worked with before, um, you had worked with the male mm-hmm. and, and I had done some of them together and then worked with her specifically, but then we were able to do co-therapy Yes, and that was neat. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite moments was they did a couple's massage with Kara and I got to be in the room and she walked with each of them of teaching like their partner how to touch them yes. in a safe and like a way that felt Soothing really good and yeah, yeah. Yes. nurturing pleasant way touch. yes and it yeah. wasn't like smooth at first at first oh. it was like ow that hurt and then <laughs> they're like he always pushes so hard no i think it was actually her she always like is so pushes so hard and then she was like he like barely touches me and it feels weird and so kara was like guiding them in this and like modeling it and demonstrating it and then I got to be kind of just like a fly on the wall and observe while also stepping in and like bringing in like the themes of what we were working mm. on to it. And then we got to install it all as resourcing. And it like was you just don't so get those types. Amazing. Like that's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. And the reason I was thinking of this couple is from that story, they were staying at the retreat and it was a very similar, like the next morning after that couple's massage, mm. they had that, the same little squirmy yeah. <laughs> and mm. to like just connect and talk about that. And that yes. was like a huge thing in their marriage. Yes. And we set them up on a date night on one night and like had this like a date night out and a, a moment to connect over. So really cool stuff. Yeah. And you get, you know, three to five days to just focus on mm. the yeah. relationship. I'm curious what, um, just kind of in closing, like what 
are some of the main kind of takeaways for you both and your experience of working with couples. For mine, it really is just like recognizing the power of what you're inviting them into. Mm-hmm. Like it's something to be very humbly considered yeah. um, because of, you know, we have all of these strategies that we build over time with the people that we love and that are close to us. And so when we start to go back in time to before we met them mm-hmm. and process through some of the memories that actually formed those strategies in the first place, yeah. that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that we have to just pay attention to and, and be mindful of knowing and, and giving context as much as we can throughout that process that, you know, this is what might come up and mm. this is what it could feel like. And so mm. I'd love for us to talk through that and, and really have some, some, um, lighthouses to look to yeah. uh once we're in the midst of the sea yeah. in the midst of the waves yeah mm-hmm. i think um what's coming up for me right now is just this sense that regardless of what the outcome is and i know you were kind of talking mm-hmm. about that earlier it's not always just the goal any direction i think when i sit with a couple i don't even really have the long term in mind but it's it's the regardless we heal in relationship yes and so no matter what the outcome is of that relationship and if we can kind of like let go of this rigid construct that we have to like figure something out and put this pressure on like as humans we heal in relationship with other people and if these two are coming into my office to see me and have already committed you know a chunk of their life to each other this is a really good opportunity to mm-hmm. heal with another person if yes. they have someone that can support and guide them through that. Absolutely. And so that's just something that's always like really in like the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. and my work. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's not dissimilar to that. It's really about um, being mindful of all of the assumptions that get made about uh, committed relationships and marriage and um, everything that we tend to bring into that dynamic as a therapist and that um, the people in the relationship might be bringing in, um, you know, traditionally in grad school, there's this conversation around like, well, if you're doing marriage therapy, then the client is the marriage. And I hate that <laughs> so much um, because that removes the the humanness of it and means that we're literally um, prioritizing an institution over the humans involved in this situation. And I think that um, more than any other dynamic, really checking our assumptions and trying to come in as open to all possibilities as possible because then that gives the clients permission to do the same thing yeah. and um, to kind of be released from all of the conventions that say there is a right way to do marriage. And if you're not doing it that way, then it's wrong and there's something wrong with your marriage. I think that the outcome of marriage therapy is that two human beings are safe and secure in connection with another human being, whatever that looks like for them. Um, and so being open in that way and using EMDR to welcome them into more safety in their relationship, um, whatever that happens to look like, it's it's powerful. And we do need to be careful because mm-hmm. um, if we don't check those assumptions, we can be administering a really powerful tool in a very vulnerable situation. And so there's a lot of carefulness yeah. uh, that needs to be present. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. But yeah. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right. Well, thank you guys for yeah. tuning in on this. And we're excited to keep diving into other special populations mm-hmm. and bring in more 
fun stories. Yeah. All right. We'll talk again soon. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast. If you enjoy what you hear on these episodes and are interested in speaking with one of us at Beyond Healing Institute, we would love for you to reach out about our consultation opportunities. Of all the many things that we do, consultation is one of the things that we enjoy most. We love supporting other clinicians and conceptualizing their cases from a neurobiological and nervous system-informed perspective. We offer individual and group consultation for somatic integration and processing, as well as for EMDR therapy. Individual consultation is a great way to get personal time to reflect on your cases and how you and your work influence one another. Group consultation offers so many opportunities for learning and connection with other like-minded clinicians. Our greatest mission at Beyond Healing Institute is to offer opportunities for professional development and create a supportive community in the field of mental health. Beyond Healing Institute is excited to announce that we're moving. Okay, well, we're not moving our building, but we're moving our trainings, continuing education resources, and community events to Canvas. This will help you as a member of the community to stay in contact with other members of the Beyond Healing community while also providing a platform that brings consistency and convenience to all of our trainings and course offerings. Canvas is an online learning management system that will be your home base for all things beyond healing, as well as a virtual campus that will house all of our trainings and continuing education resources. We're so excited to invite you to our virtual campus on Canvas, and we hope to see you there soon.